Friday. From all of us here at Phillies Nation, I'm Ian Riccoboni. And today we bring you a very special guest, Dan Zimborski, who is, of course, from ESPN and Fangraphs. He created Zips, a very innovative projection system uh, that many sports writers, sports analysts, sports enthusiasts use to project baseball. So we're going to be talking to him. We're going to find out what Zips is, how it's used, how Phillies fans can use it this season, and so much more. Thank you so much, Dan Zimborski from ESPN and Fangraphs, for joining us here today. Uh, that being said, before we get to Dan, we have some uh, business to take care of. Thank you very much for all the folks that have helped make Phillies Nation a new and noteworthy podcast, also one of iTunes' hottest podcasts. And uh, we couldn't do it without you and without our sponsors. And, of course, our big sponsor is Out of the Park Baseball 17. This episode of Phillies Nation podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 17, available now. And it's the most authentic baseball strategy game ever made. So many new community-driven features have been added this year, and I can't list them all. But some of the highlights include 2016 accurate opening day Major League rosters with accurate major and minor leagues with authentic names, logos, and rosters dating back over more than a century. An all-new historical exhibition mode that lets you realistically play teams from any year and era against one another in a single game or series. An accurate representation of the 2016 MLB player faces showing emotions and aging over time thanks to the MLB PA license and face gen technology. That's pretty cool. Uh, beautiful improved visuals on and off the field and so much more. If you order right now, if you go to ootpdevelopments.com, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to ootpdevelopments.com. That's ootpdevelopments.com and clicking the order banner. Just enter the code Phillies17, that's Phillies17 at checkout, to not only get a discount, but to also help support Phillies Nation, indie sports video game development, and all the people who work to bring you the great game out of the park, Baseball 17. Once again, just go to ootpdevelopments.com, click on the order banner, enter the code Phillies17 at checkout for a special 10% discount and to help support the Phillies Nation podcast. And that's a great game. I've already dug my, my, uh, my hands into it. I know Steve's been playing it as well. Steve and I are going to do a real-time simulation throughout the season, which is going to be pretty awesome. And uh, we're going to bring you up to date on some of the trades we make in the game. Uh, but until opening day, we have a guy who makes his living projecting what will happen during baseball seasons. And that is Dan Zimborski. And of course, in previous podcasts, I've said his name's Dan Zimbroski, Dan Zim Zimboraski. Uh, I respect the man's work quite a bit, but I have a difficult name uh, pronouncing his last name, much like many people have a difficult time pronouncing my last name. Uh, we had some fun with that. Uh, Dan is also a huge wrestling fan, so it's really cool to be able to talk to someone whose interests cross over like that. And uh, Dan is known to have a little fun with his projection systems. We talk about uh, everything from what zips are, which is a pretty interesting thing in and of itself, to what would it take for the Phillies to actually make the playoffs this year? <laughs> and uh, we also talk about what he thinks of some of the Vegas projections and predictions, uh, some of the over-unders, and who is the most likely Philly to break out this year. We also engage in some A-Rod talk, following up on what Steve and I had talked about. And uh, yeah, in, in all in all, it's a pretty uh, light chat for a heavy subject, you know, statistical projection. Uh, we also talk about why he never went into politics, but his former colleague, Nate Silver, did. So that's a pretty fun thing as well. So uh, Dan Zimborski, everybody, from Fangraphs and ESPN. Just to plug something Dan's been doing, he's got a great Twitter page. It's D Zimborski, uh, which will put up very, you know, very great Twitter feed. He's got some great things. He's got his Zips projections live on his Twitter, on his Twitter feed. And you can go on there. You can see where the Phillies are projected, what they rank, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he'll explain how to use them, how to view them, and what by that I mean, you know, are they an accurate projection for the entire season or does it take into account playing time? Dan in this podcast will address all of that. He answers all of your questions so that you can be most prepared for the 2016 season. Before we get into the, the chat we have with Dan, i uh, just like to shout out his work in the 2016 ESPN The Magazine MLB Preview Edition, which is now available on newsstands, uh, available on Kindle. I have a hard copy. I subscribe to ESPN The Magazine and uh, am able to log into the website. Great service there. Uh, but Dan also mentioned that you know you can get it on the Kindle version as well. So don't be afraid to check that out. Some great stuff in there. 
We also talk about Bryce Harper. Would it be crazy to think that the Phillies would have a shot at signing Bryce Harper following the 2017 season? On our last podcast, Steve threw out the name of Jose Batista. Dan Zimborski throws out the name Bryce Harper. Wouldn't it be crazy to be able to sign a once-in-a-generation, or maybe two-in-a-generation considering Mike Trout has a lot of the same skill sets, type player at an incredibly young age to move forward in Philadelphia Phillies history? Hmm. <laughs> I'll leave you with that to simmer on as we present this week's Phillies Nation special with Dan Zimborski of ESPN and Fangraphs. Thanks for listening. All right. Welcome back, Phillies Nation. This is a very special edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ian Riccoboni, and it is my pleasure to introduce our very special guest. He writes for Fangraphs. He is the proprietor of Zips. He also writes now for ESPN. You've seen his work all over the world, Dan Zimborski. Dan, welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. Hi, how's it going today? Pretty good. How about yourself? Pretty good as well. So, this, yeah, this is our second attempt. Uh, yeah, we have, we have the lost files. Yeah, right. There's a there's a very special edition that will never air because we don't know where it went. <laughs> but I'm very, be found in the archives in a hundred years, and we'll say, "Who the hell are these people?" Right, right. I'm very tech, technically not savvy, so I do appreciate you hopping back on with us, and uh, because there's so so many great things to talk about. So, as I mentioned. You created Zips, from my understanding, and Zips is a projection system, um, proprietary projection system that Fangraphs helps use to project the performance of players. And before we get into anything Philly-specific, could you give us the Cliff Notes version of that for some of the fans that might not be listening, or may not, <laughs> might not be listening, who may be listening that may never have heard of Zips before? Well, it's a simple computer projection system, as these things go. Uh, it, it's... The basis of a computer projection system, it's really just estimating where a player was, where they are now, where they're going. Uh, the best we could do is, you know, peek through the fog. We, don't, we can't really say things with much certainty. It gives us a good baseline estimate, though. And the thing about computers is they don't get excited about things. Uh, they, they haven't learned how to love. Ah, right. Well, and I think that's when we're all, all going to be in trouble. Yeah, that's when we're say. all in trouble. <laughs> uh, but until that happens, uh, projections give us a, are a very good tool to, to help us identify just where players are going. It's it's a tricky thing. So, Dan, with the uh, with the Zips projections, it's a little bit different than War. War is kind of, it addresses something that's already happened in the past. Zips is intended to give a relatively normalized scenario of what's expected to happen with a player. And with Zips projections, those are projections that uh, kind of assume a player is going to play a full season at a given position. Yeah, uh, computer projection systems aren't really the best thing, I feel, to estimate who will get playing time. Seek, sorting through a lot of data and, and making rough estimates, yeah, computers are good at that. Deciding what a team's plans for a player are, that's a poor use of a, pro of a projection system. Uh, I find it more useful for a projection system to give me an estimate of, say, how good a player in AA is, rather than give me... Zero, 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 and zero plate appearances because that's not useful information. Uh, I'd like to know. I don't really care what a computer projection system thinks about how the Phillies will use, say, J.P. Crawford. I'm interested in how it feels, how good he, it feels Crawford is based on the data. That's the kind of thing I want to see a projection system do. So Zip simply takes an agnostic look at, at, at past at future performance based on, on on past play excuse me future play based on on past play because that it's that's by design mm -hmm. uh, when i when i do season simulations then i get into all the estimating playing time and stuff because i'm a i'm a flesh and blood person and i have a better idea of what teams are going to do than the computer does sure uh, it, it's about using the strengths of, of each of each way uh the strengths of a computer and the strength of a person uh, rather than try to shoehorn one and the other Sure, and I'm right now. I'm on I'm on Dan's uh, Twitter page. Uh, it's at dzimborski uh, or at dzimborski on Twitter, 
And uh, that's S-Z-Y-M-B-O-R-S-K-I. And Dan, you've posted a sheet with all these Zips projections. Uh, that's kind of cool. And you can kind of mold it. You can see where your, you know, your favorite team's players are at, what they're projected to do. Historical comps, which is great. Um, I don't see that Mikel Franco is uh, historically compared to Barry Bonds, and I'm a little disappointed. I'm sorry. Uh, but I do see that it does have some position uh, com- comparativeness. So, you know, Mikel Franco at age 23 is expected to put out similar output that Aubrey Huff did at age 23. Um, well, actually, let me catch you there. Oh, it's okay. It's actually a pass. The comps are actually pass looking. Oh, it's okay. looking. These are players that are similar to Michael Frank. Or, yeah. Uh, sorry, at, at a, a certain age uh, coming okay. into the season. So it's it's based on on players that, that he's similar to in the past. It doesn't gotcha. necessarily mean in the future. Uh, sometimes players get compared to Robinson uh, Cano, essentially. And people mm-hmm. are like, wow, you think that guy's going to be Robinson Cano? I'm like, no, that's because Robinson Cano exceeded what he was expected to do as a as a prospect. Most players that are similar to Robinson Cano don't become Robinson Cano. Right. <laughs> just because you're compared to Robinson Cano, it doesn't mean that that's the future. Uh, the future is very uncertain. It's like one of those hurricane forecasts where you see like that big cone going out. Sure. Where it says like they know where the hurricane is now, but it might hit New York. It might go out to sea, and the cone just keeps getting bigger. That's what projecting a player is like. Uh, when when you look at at, at Franco's um, comps, they're they're rear looking. Mm-hmm. Now maybe he'll be that in the future, but th- that's that's trickier. And Zips is assembles like essentially a big ensemble of comps, so gotcha. he's really compared to literally hundreds of players at a time. But people like looking at the top comps, so I always make sure to include them. Yeah, and you know when I when I sort the list for Phillies players and their projections. Uh, at the top is Odubel Herrera, at least on the offensive side. Um, second is J.P. Crawford, who is a consensus top five, if not top three or four prospect in baseball. Um, how is it? How hard is it to project somebody as young as J.P. Crawford, number one, uh, that doesn't quite have the body of work that someone, even like Aaron Altair, who's 25 and has a few years in the minors, has underneath him? And number two... Um, you know, is it strange to see how common is it to see a player that's may spend most of the year in the minor leagues, uh, toward the top of the projection list for any given team? Well, it's not that common, uh, but essentially the Phillies right now are a team that's all about the future. Uh, a lot of the players on the roster now just aren't very good and they won't be part of the next good Phillies team. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you, you do have an additional error bar when you're projecting young players. But it's it's not a bias. It doesn't mean that Zips overrates young players. It just means that we are more uncertain to the range. Uh, while Zips is more likely to underestimate or overestimate Crawford uh, compared to an older player, it's also as likely to underestimate Crawford compared to an older player. Uh, I think back of Hanley Ramirez, who was a player that had a wide range of, of results as a minor leaguer, and he exceeded them quite a bit, hmm. more, more quickly than anyone imagined. He struck, He went from a tough double-A season to essentially a star in the majors almost immediately. Right. Uh, Crawford has, has definitely has one of the best projections for a young player, and... He's one of the keys to the Phillies' future, where most of the players on the roster are not. Right, and that's you'll see toward the top Brian Bogusevich, who's you know this <laughs> he's a name that's in there. You know, I don't even know if he's latched on with the team. I know some of these Zips projections, of course, include where they were last year. Yeah, I, I do the, on. yeah, I do their most recent team. He's <laughs> actually in Japan. Oh, okay, uh, there you so, go. So, so he's not even with the Phillies, right? Uh, it's just that. I like I always projected people that go to Japan for like one more season because yeah. it's it's interesting. So so the Phillies get get uh saddled with him <laughs> speaking. And when when he when he ranks that high highly in a ranking, you know that the team isn't very good right now. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with the previous regime. And when we first talked, we talked a lot about uh, Ruben Amaro Jr. And there was a quote that jumped out, and I almost fell out of my seat when I read this, uh, that Ruben Amaro Jr. said that essentially they had proprietary statistics and advanced statistics 
on board, but why would they let anybody ever know that? And they were way more essentially implying that they were way more statistically savvy than (laughs) they were letting on. And from an outsider's perspective and for someone who's been around the team a little bit, that never seemed to be the case because when they would load up with guys in spring training, they would bring in really low potential, uh, low ceiling veterans to fill out the roster like maybe a Brian Bogusevich and they never seem to take risks on guys like maybe Cedric Hunter, who at one point was a top prospect with the Padres. He's getting closer to 30 than he is to 20, but he might, you know, he's projected to do okay in a full-time role. He might have something there. Uh, What are your thoughts on Amaro and, and some of the moves that he's made and, you know, what do you think about that quote in particular or that series of quotes where he, he essentially said the the Phillies had a proprietary system and they just weren't sharing it? Honestly, it's nonsense. You can see because the, the proof of the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Um, there was no indication that he did anything that indicated they used analytics. And even teams you don't associate with having these types, like the Kansas City Royals, they actually have a department that, that handles it. Uh, they didn't just, you know, randomly pick up a dude, which is what the Phillies did a few years ago uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to start things off. Uh, unless they had, like, some sort of secret department. But then again, there's no reflection that they, even if they did have, like, the secret underground lab of, of data scientists, there's no indication that they actually <laughs> understood how to use any of that. Uh, right. I think it's it's just trying to paint a happy face on what was kind of an ugly management situation for the Phillies, uh, especially in the second half of Amara's reign. Uh, once he got past maintaining uh, an actual good team, they were clueless. And really, it would be the worst con ever, because what's the point of a long con if there's never a payoff? Right. It's and- it's like going to a, like, you know, a, a magician and then watching him saw the lady in half, but they never separated. He just pushes it behind the scenes and you never see what happens. Like, yeah. Well, that's not a good con. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's interesting to me because if there was going to be a payoff, it might – you mentioned earlier, and this is a great point, um, a lot of the Phillies today won't be, the, won't be Phillies on the next great team. So, you know, the ones that may stick might be Aaron Nola, might be J.P. Crawford. Those might get attributed to Amaro because he was essentially in office when they were drafted, you know. If there is that next great Phillies team, because I know there's a lot of excitement, the Phillies, you know, if you extrapolate the record, would win 98 games, their spring training record. <laughs> and I know that. So there is a little bit of excitement because they're doing well in spring training. You know, if they get to contention sooner rather than later, will Amaro get any of the credit or is he? Probably think- not, simply because even if everything, everybody he drafted just succeeds, I don't think that they have enough talent from those drafts to do that by itself. Every, even a bad general manager will eventually have some successes. You look at, like, Sid Thrift uh, in Baltimore. He did draft Brian Roberts. There were a million misses. Right. But there were a few players that did, in fact, pan out. But it didn't make him a good GM, and it didn't make him the architect of, of the Orioles' future 10 years later. Gotcha. Uh, I, I mean, you look at Philly's first-round picks, and they've just been, you know, before Crawford, just pretty bad. Yeah, it's before Crawford, you have Shane Watson. He was a supplemental first rounder. Mitch Guler, uh, Larry Green, another supplemental first rounder. The last actual first round pick they had before Crawford was Jesse Biddle. And he's floating around. He's with he's in the Braves system now. Um, Anthony Hewitt was a toolsy shortstop who they put in center field. Didn't work out. Zach Collier, uh, supplemental first rounder in 2008. He didn't work out. And it's weird because the regimes before them, the Ed Waite, Ed Wade regime and even the the crossover regime um, with Pat Gillick, they were able to successfully leverage uh, their first round picks into major leaguers from 1993 to 2007. And I I don't think that's a fact that a lot of Phillies fans take into consideration or realize. So to me, when Amaro had mentioned that, yeah, we had these proprietary analytics, we had all these scouts, blah, 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 we believe in scouting. If they couldn't meet if they couldn't have the rubber meet the road, you know, I can see why he's gone because they had one, two, three, four, five, six. They've had six misses. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on Crawford because he's a guy that I think has all the potential in the world and Zips does as well. But they had six first round misses 
in regimes that involved Amaro as a general manager or assistant general manager. So I think you got to hit on the first rounders, right? Yeah, you, you have to. Even though, say, they've been dra- they were drafting fairly late in the first round, they also gave up some first round picks unnecessarily. Right. They even drafting lower in the first round, you should have some success. Uh, I mean, if you look at their old their first round picks, uh, really between uh, Cole Hamels and J.P. Crawford, there's only going to be one player that has ten WAR in the majors by the time this all is said and done. You know, Travis Darnod. Uh, Darno, mm-hmm. excuse me. Uh, but that, that's a bad record. That's a poor record of drafting. They do need to, to simply draft better than that. Uh, you're not going to build a team solely through a draft, but those picks are very important because there are limited ways you can buy young talent now. There are caps. You can't just go in and throw $100 million uh, at Latin America and sign every great prospect. That's not going to work right. uh, these days because of the penalties. Uh, and that is where you refill talent. And when you're not drafting, you either have to pay market price for talent or you have to draft the talent. Those are your choices. You're not drafting. You're not really adding talent unless you're adding a ton of payroll. And the Phillies, they did have a – I mean they they weren't the Tampa Bay Rays. They had a solid payroll. But mm-hmm. there was an eventual ceiling to that, an eventual point where they really couldn't just add on another $50 million. Sure. And and that brings me to my next question. So if we stay on offense, if we talk about some of the Zips projections, I've I've seen analysts say McCall Franco could be the next Philly to hit 30 home runs. I've seen uh, very overexcited analysts say 40. I've seen people who are sour on him and his plate approach say 10. Uh, Zips has him at 21 home runs. They have him getting on base at about a 313 clip. And Around 500, just under 500 slugging percentage, uh, which, you know, 800 OPS for a 23-year-old is is pretty good. Um, what can we expect from a guy like Mikel Franco? And, you know, there was rumors that the Phillies had offered him a six-year extension. You know, is that the way to keep talent these days in baseball, to get out ahead of arbitration? Yeah, that's the only time you're really going to have any kind of of leverage over the player. Because you're essentially making them take a risk that that it's when it's the team's risk versus the player's risk the the team's risk that the player will regress and and not be valuable and the player's risk because not everybody will in fact get to free agency even a good player can can blow out their arm destroy their leg and they're done and there's and there's no more there's no more money coming in essentially mm-hmm. uh if if mike if my if, if franco lost like say his leg, he's not gonna get twenty million dollars at any point, and it's the only opportunity that a team has to get them where they're willing to kind of trade future gains for a bit of a certainty. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you can go up to Franco and say, you know, we can we can set you up rich for life now. We'll make a good deal. It'll be fair and reflect our risk as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have to have those conversations with the player. Now, if he says, okay, I need $100 million to sign a six-year contract, then you say, okay, well, we'll just go year by year. Uh, right. But it's it's important to try because that's where you're going to get your savings. You look at the Rays and Evan Longoria, mm-hmm. the fact that they were able to sign Longoria to that long-term deal very early in his career, that enabled them to keep him longer than they otherwise would, and that has kind of a domino effect. You keep a player like Longoria – longer than you otherwise would, you could let another expensive player go, or you free up salary to do something else. Uh, it's, it's, it's that just you have to think about the future, and you have to sign the future, essentially. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's one interesting thing that we didn't see under Amaro. I mean, we saw it too little too late with Ryan Howard, where they inexplicably bought out the sixth arbitration year and then tacked on a crazy extension to it. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, the third arbitration year, the sixth year of his his contract. Yeah, they 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 they, they signed out the, the the final two years before free agency. Which yeah, is just crazy pants. Yeah, it it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And um, you know, he's a guy now who's committed to 35 million dollars. He's the going to be the highest paid player, 25 million guaranteed, 10 million to buy out. They could bring him back. I mean, he's got, what, a $27.5 million uh, team option for next year? So <laughs> I, mean, I think it's only like 23 I think. Oh, okay. Is uh, it A bargain. <laughs> right. You're saving money. It's like you're giving money back. Well, 
<laughs> the, well, I'd like to move to uh, to pitching. And on the pitching side, the the Phillies have a have a lot of intriguing young arms. Aaron Nola, Vince Velasquez, uh, Jake Thompson, uh, Jared Eikhoff. Those are just some of the names that they've been able to kind of accumulate toward the end of Amaro's tenure and into the tenure of Matt Klintek. Uh How difficult is it to project young pitching? Because with you know, with J.P. Crawford, there isn't an extensive track record. With a guy like Aaron Nola, he essentially went from college almost straight to the majors. So is there any difficulty there? Is there more difficulty with, you know, young pitchers versus young hitters? Or Well, pitchers as a rule are harder to predict. Even veteran pitchers versus veteran hitters, the pitchers are harder to pr- project. Hmm. Uh, there's The Phillies are at the part of the process where there's a lot of throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I know that sounds like a real cop-out, but it's actually a way that you can sort through pitching. You kind of test them by fire. Uh, you're not just going to have first-round picks. Uh, a, a rebuilding team like the Astros has the opportunity to take chances on pitchers like Dallas Keuchel. If, if, if the Astros hadn't said, said okay, we don't want to just win 60 games. We want to win 70 games and signed a bunch of veterans – Maybe they have Kyle Kendrick instead of Dallas Keuchel, and they never get to see what Dallas Keuchel can become. And, right. and Keuchel wasn't a super top prospect or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Lance McCullers was, was a better prospect on the team, not Keuchel. Um, but if you don't take those chances, you'll, you'll never get pleasantly surprised. Well, and that's, that's one of the reasons it's confusing to me. The only move this offseason that really confused me in the direction of the Phillies was them bringing in a guy like Charlie Morton, who on paper is not particularly inspiring. And if you do standard deviations of his stats, uh, they're pretty wild in comparison to some of the other uh, pitchers that do have a little bit of a track record. Um, he hasn't been the most consistent pitcher. His big MO is that he got the third most ground ball, uh, third most ground balls in the last three years, or second most in the last three years, rather. Um, but hitters are getting good contact off of him. They're hitting about 312 over their career against him on balls in play. So that, you know, it seems to me like the Phillies did everything right on paper for a team that would rebuild, except for maybe a guy like Morton. Um, Would there be any reason to bring in a guy like Morton? Well, you do kind of need the games to end at some point. (laughs) (laughs) It has to to get 27 out somehow. Uh, The Having a, a Morton at the back of the rotation isn't really a problem when you're so open to trying other players elsewhere. Uh, mm-hmm. It's if he's the only Kyle Kendrick, then that's that's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, and there's always at least a chance that they can flip him and add another prospect. And the thing is, if the Phillies have a bunch of their young arms really excel in the minors and need a spot, Charlie Morton isn't going to stand in anybody's way. I. Maybe in the Amaro era, I can see them saying, well, Charlie Morton's pitching well. We can't, we can't send him to the bullpen or another team. But I think this, this, this front office has become more realistic. And, any, and Charlie Morton won't prevent the Phillies from finding the next good pitcher. And so we talked, a, we talked a little bit about money, and the Phillies likely have a lot. They just signed a new uh, big deal with Comcast to provide the Phillies games on television and Ryan Howard, of course, um, you know, unless they take that bargain, that $23 million bargain, uh, they'll have a lot of money coming off because they have him. They have Carlos Ruiz coming off the table. Uh, Cliff Lee's buyout comes off the books this year. The It's interesting to me because there's a perception that, okay, these young players are going to grow, and then we're going to sign free agents, and then the Phillies are going to be awesome. But I think there's a step missing. Um, is that middle step? you know, having people replace the Charlie Mortons or maybe even replace the Freddie Galvises of the world who are cheap but aren't going to be there, you know, aren't going to be there for the next great Phillies team. Well, it's one of those things where you have to almost play it by ear. Uh, They're going to be, if you look towards after the 2018 season, they're going to be a lot of interesting free agents. Mm -hmm. I mean, Manny Machado is a free agent. Oh, yeah. Bryce Harper is a free agent. Jose Fernandez, I believe, will be a free agent after 2018. I don't, I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but that's, it looks like that's a really good year to have some money to spend. Yeah. And is there any real reason, uh, aside from maybe personality clashes with the organization and the fans, is there any real reason the Phillies couldn't have Bryce Harper on the team? 
No, not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, and they're a team that will have the ability to do that. Uh, you look at, like, the Cubs, They people were like, well, the Cubs are never going to add players. They're not going to spend money. That's what people were saying when when the Ricketts took over and started rebuilding with Theo Epstein. Said, we're not going to spend money ever. <laughs> I don't know what accent I'm doing, but I'm mad and I'm Ricketts not going to spend money. Sounds and, like it's from, from the Bayou. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is. It's... It's just a it's just a blend of of my my East Coast rubbish, um, <laughs> like my my bias against the South, I guess. I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, but there were people that was like they're never going to spend money. But the thing was, they they were going to spend money, as we've seen. Uh, they they signed Jason Hayward for what was a quite a large amount of money. I think they it was a at- billion. Yeah, one, like a one like billion? trillion dollars or a <laughs> zillion, if that that's not a number, a quadrillion. Uh, they 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 spent aggressively on Lester. They tried to bring in one of the other top pitchers. They didn't succeed, but it wasn't from a lack of of spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't make sense to spend until those players, those special players, can put you over the top. Uh, the Phillies, sure, they could have signed Jason Hayward. This offseason, but then they just win 72 games instead of 69. Right. And, and that's, that has, doesn't really have any value. People are always like, well, the fans have to keep interested. Well, the fans like wins. And winning 72 instead of 69 or 69 instead of 66 or whatever, that's never been the basis for continued popularity for a team. The Orioles always believed it was, but they saw their attendance just go down, down, down. Because fans want a good team. And a good team that's built from within, fans have a reason to be attached to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the Cubs, Cubs fans, Jason Hayward and John Lester aren't like career Cubs or anything, it adds to the players they've watched essentially growing up through the system. You know, Chris Bryant, Kyle, Kyle Schwarber, uh, Anthony Rizzo, even though he wasn't originally a Cub, he, he established himself as a Cub. Right. That's, that's the kind of thing that fans get into. And... The Phillies, they shouldn't be spending money now. But there will come a time where they should, and they will. So, yeah, so we'll tie this all together. So I, in my hands, I have the ESPN, the magazine, Baseball Preview Edition, which I understand you had quite a hand in writing some of the material for. I did. And, There's a lot of, of, of stuff in there that I did. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I see on the cover Bryce Harper. Um the five five hundred million dollar man, perhaps I've seen that that wouldn't be outrageous. I believe that was on Fangraphs, and um, so I'm paging through the magazine here, and I see the Phillies are projected at sixty eight and ninety four. I'm going crazy over here because they clearly are, you know, playing at a seventy seven fifty <laughs> winning percentage pace here in spring <laughs> training. They're knocking teams down like they're murderers row. They're second in home runs. Second and run score in the Grapefruit League. They're going to come back to Philly and have a trophy full of grapefruits. I just know it. And you're telling me they're only going to win 68 games? What's happening here? Well, they're still not very good. <laughs> and you know it in your heart. I do. You know that in your, deep in your heart. And if not in your heart, in your soul. <laughs> That's true. And, and in, the, in the projection, though, I see that they're going to be one of actually the youngest teams in baseball. Average contribution age of 26.7 years old which is kind of a welcome change. I mean, there's, you know, the young players like Odubel Herrera, who's going to be age 24 season, McCall Franco, 23. Um, you know, it's going to be cool to actually see players that might get better instead of fearing when they fall apart. But, you know, what is the best case scenario? Can the Phillies, <laughs> is there a way that the Phillies would make the playoffs? There, There's always a way. Uh, there's <laughs> even every in zips uh, in in the projected standings, it gives every team some chance of making the playoffs because the future is very uncertain and weird things do happen. Uh, zips at last check uh, had the had the Phillies uh, with a zero point five percent chance of making the playoffs, and that's obviously not very likely. But I'm saying there's a chance. Yeah, that's only one in 200. Like, people... yeah, it, it comes out to like one in 213. Wow. Man. Okay. But it can happen. Things that are one in 213 happen all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a batter that hits three home runs a year, he does eventually hit one of those three home runs. Right. Uh, 
but it, I mean, it's not likely. And <laughs> the Phillies are in a bunch of the teams at the bottom of the NL that are in that not likely, but it could happen. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I'm one of the many folks now who's getting a little wrapped up. I'm living and dying with the spring training st- scores and standings. And I, I just can't wait for baseball. So, you know, I'm excited about, I've been paging through the the preview edition. I just got it. It's on newsstands. You can get it on the Kindle. Um, I've been religiously looking at the Zips projections, figuring out how how much percent above the projection <laughs> these players need to play. But to... see, that's the nice thing of having that young team. A lot of the surprises will actually be good surprises. When, yeah. when you have Ryan Howard and a very old Chase Utley and, and Carlos Ruiz and and so on and so forth. The surprises don't tend to be happy surprises. <laughs> right. So and did you actually get it at a newsstand? No. So I actually... Because I, I want to hear if there's a newsstand in existence. So I am a subscriber. So I subscribe. I'm an ESPN Insider subscriber. Good and man. So, yeah, I get the magazine. And I get it from Dancing in the Subway for Nickels. <laughs> well, now, now I'm going to kill my subscription and see if that actually Oh, happens. God, no. But... <laughs> But yeah, I actually, I'm a subscriber. I get it on my Kindle as well. So I get the hard copy. I get the digital copy. And it's a great magazine, great layout, uh, very easy to read, and some great analysis in it too. And I see names like Eric Carabell, uh, Andrew Marciano, Eric Longenhagen, who actually wrote for another Phillies blog for a little bit, Crash, uh, Crash Burn Alley. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, very cool to see some of those names that folks recognize and some analysis that's definitely trustable because... Yeah, I, I do always wish, because that's usually my big issue of the year. I do a lot of things and other issues, but the baseball preview is always like my, the big issue where I get to do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would like there to be like a 1930s newsstand where I could get it from. You know, I could go out in my 1930s scoop, see like <laughs> the 12-year-old street urchin behind the newsstand and go, what's the scoop, milkshakes? Like flip a <laughs> coin in the air and he catches it. I was just gonna say, yeah, you got to flip the coin and then grab That's the cool, grab yeah. it off the. <laughs> off the oh, rack. look at this! <laughs> well, it's weird because now the Philadelphia Phillies are in last place. I'm <laughs> <laughs> on old time radio. Michael Franco is that? <laughs> well, it's interesting because you mentioned the newsstand. The only places that I see newsstands anymore are airports and grocery stores. Yeah, and so. they just have regular people behind it. They don't have 1930s stereotypes. No, and they should because that I feel like that would sell papers. But and, I mean, if I picked up the magazine and act shocked, I don't think the newsstand person would be shocked. I can't pick up the magazine and go, Bryce Harper, get back on that trolley! And like, look at me like, no, sir, <laughs> I'm going to have to call security. Yeah, no, it's, uh, man, the You're times all wet. <laughs> The times have really changed. Probably for the better, but the times have changed. See, that, that's what I know about, about like the 20s and 30s. Everyone had a higher pitched voice than me and spoke really quickly. That's all I know. Well, and then, yeah, there was the there Great Depression. There too but, and everything. Yeah. And, but mostly the high talking. Right. So And, and big hats. They had like, you know, those. Well, that. They didn't wear hats. That I could get behind. I could get behind the big hats. But, <laughs> but Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, maybe, maybe another time we'll have, you, we'll have you come back on. One of the interesting things that I'm very interested in uh, is the presidential election. And there's some interesting things happening on 538 uh, one of your sister sites the espn sister sites that is there seems to be a confusion between projection and prediction and maybe sometime we can go into a big kind of discussion about that because if if we're going to talk politics i'm going to have to just like go into a bath a warm bath and open (laughs) up my veins (laughs) oh i mean People, people always ask me dan are you jealous that nate thought of projecting elections and politics and you did it and i think well i mean it'd be cool to be as famous as nate because he's more famous than me right then i think but then i'd be writing about politics and i'm just gonna (laughs) cry and want to punch my my face over and over again and and hit my head in the wall until i knock myself unconscious and and i have a (laughs) dnr that says don't revive until he loses his job and doesn't have to write about politics anymore. <laughs> I, I just meant in terms of uh, predictive data and pro- projecting data. <laughs> but, you see, but you see, everybody, we see the thing is we could have that conversation. But then <laughs> someone listening will say, oh, you hate X candidate. Yeah. You that hate would... America. 
you hate oh, children man. or whatever. I mean, yeah, I kind of hate children, but I don't hate America. Yeah, uh, but that's a different I, that's a different story. <laughs> I don't hate children, for the record. Love children, love America. <laughs> but yeah. oh, so you think you're better than me, huh? Oh no, it's turning into a, a Pier Six brawl. <laughs> we're, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a talk about that, Rick about it. I'm making an old timey fighting uh, fighting fist. The underhand. Oh yeah, swirling them around. Yeah, and you kind of. I guess now we're getting to the 1800s, and you're thinking right. holding up the fist and kind of like they're in parallel and they're yeah. They're, Ah, gentleman Dan Zaborski. Oh yeah, and you gotta you gotta have that nickname too. I mean, I, I guess I'd be Irish Ian Riccomani because everybody like had everybody had either like a real like real easy to do nickname like gentleman or their ethnicity. <laughs> so oh well, you see, since you're Italian and I'm and I'm Polish, mm-hmm. we would be we would be minorities then. Yeah, and you know what? They, I mean, it's interesting because I you know obviously I'm tied to the wrestling thing, Ring of Honor. Uh, I've read a lot about history, and and uh, they used to really play on the ethnic crowds to to draw people in. So in both boxing, wrestling, the whole deal. So and yeah, I'd be the, I'd be the Polish hammer. The po- <laughs> that one's already taken. Like like, like uh, Ivan Putski. Ivan Putski, that's right. Yeah, he's uh, you know, let's you know, let's throw another one out there. We mentioned ethnicities. Baseball came back to Cuba. Uh, how do you think that's going to affect scouting? I'm going off the cuff here. I'll throw one more to you. Uh, I I think as it opens up, we're going to have more talent come in because we're we're already having obviously an influx of Cuban players. But mm-hmm. the more players we get from overseas and and Cuba and and Asia, the better baseball is. Right. Uh, baseball is truly an international sport. Uh, it's it's it when you look at the team, there's there's players from all over the world on the team. So while I like like the the the, the baseball classic that mm-hmm. that that we have, right. I mean it's a cool event. Uh, but I always kind of think that, you know, we, we, we had the World Baseball Classic every day. Uh, we always get to see some of the world's best. And the more we get to see in Major League Baseball, the better we all are. Uh, and, yeah. if, and if we had more wrestling entrances in, in baseball, that would also be fun. Oh, absolutely. And, like, I I want to touch on the Bryce Harper thing because he had mentioned that it should be okay to showboat. It should be okay to have fun. If a pitcher strikes somebody out, he should be able to pump his fist. Or if a hitter hits a home run, he should be able to flip his bat. I think that's what can make baseball more accessible and maybe win some of the fans back. Because I think right now it's dominated by a mindset of you need to conceal your emotions and hide your emotions. And yeah. I, how many think, people go to their entertainment and saying, okay, part of this entertainment is it's not fun. Right. No fun. I mean, we, we were talking, we, we, we made more wrestling references in our, in our first talk, but I remember I was talking about A-Rod mm-hmm. and how it would have been so awesome if in the height of, of all the, you know, the steroid scandal, if he had taken the full heel turn. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, it would require more self-awareness than, than he seems to have at times. Right. But it'd be so cool if he played up the villain role. Every time he hit a home run, run around the bases, pretending to inject something into his bicep. <laughs> he would think all the boos are cheers, and he'd come out for curtain calls. Uh, the Yankees, every every uh, road trip. I mean, A-Rod's very wealthy. He mm-hmm. could have a whole billboard campaign just to bash the people of the city. Well, wouldn't... Uh, Everywhere he goes, that'd be great. But well, he didn't it, do it. He, he wanted to be pull, loved. Well, he could pull the Brian Bosworth too, and Brian Bosworth was the villain. But as we learned in the thirty for thirty about Brian Bosworth, he manufactured his own anti-Bos shirts and sold them outside of arenas. Yeah, that's what he had to do. So you can you can be the villain and cash in and make your own money. Yeah, so. he would have been loved more as a villain than someone trying to be loved. Yeah, like like Ric Flair. Right. <laughs> Everyone loves Ric Flair. Yeah. But and his, his character was mostly a pretty awful guy for a long time. And, and face Ric Flair was always boring. Yeah. Like, you remember all those, like, in the early WCW days when they weren't really the, part of the NWA anymore. They mm-hmm. had all those, those, those face Ric Flair versus heel Lex Luger matches, which were just boring. Yeah, well, he's the dirtiest player in the game. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you can't change that. I mean, you can. And it would have been fun if A Rod did that. I was, I, I wish that the Dexter Fowler thing had turned out wrestling because that was just a sad. Oh, that was a ter- sad miscommunication. I've if he was gonna, you know, magically switch teams, he should have come out with the Orioles wearing the jersey, and they had like a a mouthing off against the 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 Cubs players there, and all of a sudden he like pulls out a chair. Smashes Adam Jones, Buckshow Walter, reveals oh, yeah. the Cubs jersey. 
like NWO style. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm right there with you. Spray we... paint Cubs Nation on their <laughs> chest. <laughs> we need more of this. Or just the big C with the circle. And oh, man. Could you imagine that? That would have been all over SportsCenter. Yeah. I mean, it, that... it, it would have been a great moment. Uh, instead, it's just, oh, we've got the story wrong. Oh, that's, sorry. That's not, a, that's not a very exciting story. It's just wrong. Right? We jumped the gun. Yeah, no, we we need more of that, and I'm excited because you know some of these some of these Phillies players have some pizzazz coming up, and uh, you know I'm I'm excited about that. I mean, Vincent Velasquez, I don't know if you saw, he wants to be known as Vinny from Philly. Uh, yeah, that's a cool so, thing. Yeah, of course, if he if, if he gets traded someday, it kind of makes the nickname <laughs> awkward. Like, imagine if he plays for the Red Sox someday. And he, well, actually, then he'd have a great heel turn. Right, absolutely. He could still because be- then you get like that. Da- da- my God, that's Vincent Velasquez's music. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> that's got to be Vinny from Philly. <laughs> My God, he's a Red Sox. Yeah, uh, and that, oh man, and I think that's what's missing. I mean, when I go to the ballpark, I still have fun. In oh yeah, I love baseball. Games. But I think pageantry is cool. There are 2,430 games in a season. There's room to have a little bit of fun about it. You don't have to be, well, everybody has to be respectful at all times. Right. You've got to wear a suit. Cut your hair. Yeah, I and no mustache. Uh, you have a handlebar mustache, you know? <laughs> like, look how much fun those early 19, uh, 1900s baseball cards are with the old-timey mustaches. and. Some no, of- I just get jealous because my, my, my attempts to grow facial hair are, are just pretty awful. <laughs> I, I grow facial hair as well as a 15-year-old does. Oh, mine too, and mine's blonde, so it doesn't I've read oh, mine that. isn't even the right color. It's like I'm I have these like platinum blonde eyebrows. <laughs> and I have like a brown mustache and a red beard. Nice. And it looks like if I'm not if I'm not shaven, first it looks like a pretty crappy beard and it looks like something that I've tried to awkwardly dye different colors. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I was I was made from leftover parts. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here now. I've, I am too, but I won't get into that because that's that's not PG. So we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here. The uh, before we go, the Phillies projected at sixty eight in ESPN the magazine. Uh, do you think over or under for that, Dan? I actually think that one's about right. Okay, it's not going to be a good team. No, <laughs> but that's the good thing. It's good news. They're not going to be a good team. If they were going to be an average team, that something's gone very wrong. And they're not rebuilding for the future. Yeah. Well, is there any, and uh, quick question here, any breakout star that you like for 2016 to maybe exceed projections? I actually think J.P. Crawford could. Okay. And he already has a very positive projection, but he's that kind of young talent that really could surprise and just, you know, crush the league. Interesting. Okay. He'll have to get Freddie Galvis out of the way, but Galvis seems to be playing himself out of a job right now in spring training. Yeah, but you see, if if Crawford is huge in the minors early, there's Mm -hmm. no way they're going to be able to keep him down long. They're going to look at a chance to, you know, have their own Correa on the team. Interesting. Huh. I like that. And then uh, finally, will the Phillies finish last overall? I know you said 68 is about right. Will that put them dead last? It's going to be very close. Yeah. Uh, other other teams are also trying to up their first round pick, first excuse me, first pick mojo. Like like the Reds bringing back Alfredo Simon that oh. really put that puts them in the lead for that number one pick. <laughs> so yeah, I mean the, the race for last. I mean, I'm looking at the list here. I think the Brewers, Reds, Braves, and Phillies are might be the only four teams in baseball that that can really write off their chances before the season starts. Um, and I think I think we'll see all four com- competing for the bottom. I personally think the Braves might have the best shot. Uh, I'd like some of the moves. I think they got great value for Shelby Miller, but oh yeah, they got a lot for one year at Hayward. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, beyond that, I I think the Braves are in trouble at least this year. So well, thank you for coming on the uh, the Phillies Nation podcast, Dan. Where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me at ESPN.com. You can find chats and projections at Fangraphs. Uh, and you can find me, Deezen Borski, on Twitter, as we mentioned before. Yeah, definitely check that out right at the top of Dan's uh, Twitter page. There is the Zips projections, which is sortable. You can download it. You can play with it. Um, I really like it. And it's uh, it's high on my guy, Cedric Hunter, I think, who's going to be the 28-year-old breakout 
utility outfielder that just that the Phillies need this year. So <laughs> I'm excited about that. And uh, Dan, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, thank you again. And uh, maybe someday we'll talk politics. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Finding the warm bath now. <laughs> nah. Thanks a lot, Dan. And we would just like to thank Dan Zimborski for hopping on today with us for this special Friday edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. Just to catch you up on some goings-on in the Phillies world, Wednesday night the Phillies dropped a 2-1 game to the Astros, but looked pretty good. Uh, and then last night, Thursday, the uh, the Phillies and Braves engaged in a game that ended up getting rained out, but Adam Morgan looked pretty good. Uh, comments from Pete McCannon said that he didn't take himself out of the hunt to become the fifth starting pitcher, uh, but he didn't exactly win his way into the starting rotation with that performance either. Uh, Morgan was a little frustrated that the game got rained out, apparently, but, you know, between you and I and between the podcast world, I think Morgan will eventually crack the Phillies team. I think he gives them some great depth if he doesn't become the fifth starter for the Phillies. Him and Vince from Philly are locked in a pretty heated battle for that fifth starter spot. Before we go, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Of course, that is Out of the Park Baseball 17. You can purchase it now on OOTPdevelopments.com. You can get 10% off by using the code Phillies17. And we'd like to remind you, if we get 15 five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes, well, we've worked with the publishers of the 100 Greatest Phillies of All Time, and we will be able to offer you the 100 Greatest Phillies of All Time digital edition for free. That's right. You can get the 100 greatest Phillies of all time for free if we get 15 five-star reviews on iTunes. We're up to 12 as of press time. Get on that, folks. I want to give this book away. I'm going to distribute it to the world, but the agreement is that we have to get 15. We're just three away as of press time. Maybe by the time this gets out, we'll be at 15 and the book will already be free. Well, that's it for this week. Phillies Nation, I'd like to thank the king of old school, Steve Carino. We delivered an excellent podcast. If you haven't heard that yet, go back in the archives. We, we talk about A-Rod, uh, Jose Batista. We talk about the outfield race. Who do you think might fill in for the Phillies in the outfield? And so much more. Thanks again to Dan Zimborski. And for everybody at Phillies Nation who makes this possible, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the holiday. I think you do you have like a a blocker on like weird things in Philly or no I don't I don't know how that one works. Uh, right? Correct. Very cool. You heard me? You got to call me Zimbrowski. No, no, I don't know. I think I'm Rickabony, Rickabony, Rickabony.